1: brings him into the world he says now let all god's angels worship him isaiah again and again and other old testament passages god jehovah says i alone am god there is no other and i will not give my glory to another i am god there's only one and i'm the only god to be worshiped you worship anything or anyone else it's idolatry he declares that again and again and yet he says about the son let all god's angels worship him
0: Throughout Scripture, you'll learn of the ultimate authority that God has. He's above all and is greater than all. God deserves praise from all creation. In today's message, Pastor Danny will take you to a number of Scripture references to reinforce the truth of who your Creator is, and by extension, who His Son is. He'll remind you that angels shouldn't be placed above God at any time. They're worshipers of God themselves, after all. Today, turn your attention to the greatness and glory of the King of Kings. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Revelation chapter 18 with today's edition of The Living Word.
1: Revelation chapter 18, the Apostle John on the Isle of Patmos receiving this tremendous book, the Revelation. And he says in chapter 18, verse 1, after this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority. And the earth was illuminated by his splendor. You go through chapter 18, chapter 19, you get to chapter 19, verse 9, and he says, then the angel, this powerful angel said to me, write. right. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. At this, I fell at his feet to worship him. John the apostle. But he, the angel, said to me, do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The angel says to him, don't you worship me. This, this is all about Jesus. It's not about me. That's what all the prophets spoke about. That's, he's the center, not me. Hebrews 9.15, Hebrews 12.24 tell us that Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. Did you hear what I just said? Jesus, one person, one person, Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. Now listen, if the old covenant was mediated through many angels, okay, not just one, many angels were involved. These powerful angelic creatures involved in the mediation of the first covenant through Moses. Then if Jesus is the mediator, the sole mediator of the new covenant, he's much greater than angels. He has to be. He's much greater than the angels. Hebrews chapter one verse one. In the past God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways, sometimes through angels. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Folks, he's the last word. Whom he appointed heir of all things. <laughs> you kidding me? <laughs> and through whom he made The universe, the sun, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sin, something the law never could do, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. That is the most exalted seat anybody could ever have. And that's what he said. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. (laughs) Well, there's just a nice, easy four verses to open Hebrews chapter 1. You talk about hitting 900 miles an hour out of the gate. The writer doesn't give any proof. He just launches in four verses and he says, here's who he is. He's the creator. He's the sustainer of all things. He's the radiance of God's glory. He's the one that's provided purification for sins. And by the way, by the way, he has the greatest scene of honor in all of creation. What an amazing full verses. Colossians 1.17 says, in him all things hold together. Just think about that. Our earth that we live on is tilted 23 degrees. If it were tilted just a little one way or just a little way the other, we couldn't survive. If the sun was any further away or any closer, just a little bit, we'd either freeze to death or all burn up. If the atmosphere didn't remain, atmosphere didn't remain a constant, a constant, then all these meteors and stuff that are headed for earth and have been for a long time that burn up harmlessly in our atmosphere, if the atmosphere didn't remain constant, we all have to live underground. If the sea level surface of the sea, the bottom, uh, were shifted, we'd be destroyed. I mean, it's amazing. It's incredible. If the moon were any farther away or any closer to us, the tides would go crazy and twice a day the world would be flooded. And who's the one that keeps all this stuff from happening? Who's the one that holds it all together? The Son of God, Jesus Christ. Whew. Wow. Hey, he's the radiance of God's glory. That's a good translation of the word, radiance of God's glory, not a reflection. That's important. You look at the moon on a cloudless night, especially a full one, and it's so bright. You know where the brightness comes from? It comes from the sun. The radiance of the moon's glory is the sun. The moon is just reflecting the glory of the sun. Same with you and I. You and I as Christians are to reflect the glory of God, but we're not the source of it. We're not we're not the radiance, we're the reflection. The radiance is where the source comes from. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he's the radiance of God's glory. He's the source. Wow. Woohoo. What it must have been like for Peter, James and John as they went up on the mountain and Jesus for a moment was transfigured before them, and all of a sudden, the, the cloak was, was revealed that behind this human flesh, there was some being far greater than the angels, and he was transfigured before them. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that'll be enough. Jesus said, Philip, Philip, have I been with you so long? Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. That's why the Jews picked up stones to stone him. They said, you are a mere man are making yourself equal with God. As a man, Jesus was as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. One of my favorite commentators suggested that the name is the Son. I disagree. The name is Jesus, Philippians 1. He humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place that at the name of Jesus. Jesus, every knee should bow, and every tongue confess that he is Lord. By the way, one day every tongue will confess, it says, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Better to bow now than bow then. His name is Jesus. Peter said in Acts 4.12, there's no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. And he's greater than Michael, greater than Gabriel, certainly greater than Lucifer. Folks, that's the point of Hebrews chapter 1. Because he's the mediator, or mediator of the new covenant, he's greater than the angels. And he launches in these four verses into that declaration of who he is. Amazing. And then in verse 5, he begins to prove it from the Old Testament. Seven Old Testament passages. Look at them. Verse 5. For which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Psalm 2, verse 7, it's a messianic psalm. I don't want to mess with your theology. I believe in Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but I believe technically, technically, he maybe hasn't been the Son from all eternity past. I may be wrong there. It's still the same Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But I think in the incarnation when Mary was conceived, the only begotten of the Father. But the Jehovah's Witnesses see Uh, they will take what we're going to read in a minute, that he's God's firstborn, firstborn, that he had a a beginning. He had a beginning as a man. He did not have a beginning as a being. You're going to see that. It's undeniable. You are my son. Today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. Now that's not from Psalm. The first quote is from Psalm 2 verse 7. The second one is from 2 Samuel chapter 7 verses 11 to 16, right in there, and what's happening there, I won't take the time to turn to it because of time. God, as Solomon is taking the throne, Solomon, David's son, and the confirmation that was promised to David that he would have someone from his lineage on the throne and that his kingdom would last forever. When you read it, it can't refer to Solomon. It refers in the context of Solomon, but ultimately, if you read carefully, it's referring to someone else that would come from the loins of David and his kingdom and his throne would be established forever, forever. It's the Christ. It's the Messiah. It's the Son of God. It's Jesus. I will be his father. He will be my son. Verse 6, and again, When God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. That's taken from Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 43. But if you read it in the NIV like I had, you won't find it translated this way because these quotes are from the Septuagint. Don't get off on that. Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, which tells us the writer of Hebrews read Greek. And if you read in the Septuagint, ESV um, says, bow down to him, all gods. And it's referring again to Messiah, to Christ. When he brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Firstborn. What does that mean? It doesn't mean what the Jehovah's Witnesses say. They say he's the first begotten of the Father, that he had a beginning as a God, therefore he's a God with a little g. That's not what the word firstborn means. Firstborn means, it's the word prototokos and has nothing to do with time. Colossians 1, Revelation 1 refers to Jesus by the same word. He's the firstborn, the prototokos, from among the dead. Well, he's not the first one risen from the dead. Lots of people were risen from the dead before Jesus. Lots of people. A whole host of people at the crucifixion came out of the tombs. Holy people who died in faith came out of the tombs and walked around Jerusalem for a while. A lot of people raised from the dead before Jesus. Lazarus was raised from the dead before Jesus because firstborn doesn't mean what the Jehovah's Witnesses say it means. It means preeminent one. He's the preeminent one from among the dead because he's risen never to die again. All those people have been risen, they died again, except for Elijah, and he may die (laughs) coming. I won't get into that. He's the prototokos. he's the firstborn, he's the preeminent one from among the dead. And when, all, when God brings him into the world, he says, now let all God's angels worship him. Isaiah, again and again, and other Old Testament passages, God, Jehovah says, I alone am God, there is no other, and I will not give my glory to another. I am God, there's only one, and I'm the only God to be worshipped. You worship anything or anyone else, it's idolatry. He declares that again and again. And yet he says about the Son. Let all God's angels worship him. That's why when the Magi came that great distance and they came and they found the child, born king of the Jews, and they brought their gifts to him, and it says they bowed and they worshiped him. Because Micah 5, 2, that prophesied the birth of that babe in Bethlehem, the end of verse 2, after it prophesies where he'd be born, it says his origins are from eternity. Hebrews 7 will tell us, this son of God, Jesus the Christ, our great high priest, is a high priest after the order of a mysterious fellow named Melchizedek that met Abraham, brought out bread and wine, and Abraham gave him a tenth of all the spoils. Melchizedek, king of Salem, which is king of peace and king of righteousness. And he's a priest, mysterious figure, Melchizedek, without beginning of days or end of life. It's very clear. I've got the right Jesus, and he's not the Jesus of the Mormons, and he's not the Jesus of the Jehovah's Witnesses, or the Jesus of my Bible. He's God with a big G and a big O and a big D. <laughs> folks, folks, you, you, you can't be honest with the word of God and really come to any other conclusion. Let all God's angels worship him. And the angel said to John the apostle, don't you do it. You worship God. He's the only one that has received worship. In my devotions this morning, I was in Matthew 14 in my New Testament reading, and the story of Jesus going up in the mountain and sending the disciples in the boat, and the storm came up, and they're tossed by the waves. Jesus comes walking in the middle of the night on the water. They think he's a ghost. They cry out in fear. He says, don't worry. It's me. Peter says, if it's you let me come to you. Come on. And you know the story. Peter walks on the water until he gets his eyes off Jesus on the wind. He begins to sing. Jesus pulls him up, sets him in the boat, and then Jesus gets in the boat. And when Jesus gets in the boat, it became completely calm, completely calm. And the disciples marveled. What kind of man is this? What manner of man is this? And here's what it says. They worshiped him. They worshiped him. We're not done. Verse 7, in speaking of the angels, he says he makes his angels winds, his servants flames of fire. But about the sun, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You've loved righteousness, hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. That's from Psalm 45, a messianic psalm. It tells us that Jesus, as a human being, was the most joy-filled human being that this planet has ever seen. But it also tells us that the Father refers to the Son, again, as God. Verse 10, he also says, In the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. That last part is prophetic about a change that's going to come about with the present creation. And we know that one day, God's going to create new heavens and a new earth. He's going to do that through his son, Jesus the Christ, who was the original creator. That's interesting too because Isaiah chapter 44, verse 24, let me read it for you. Isaiah chapter 44, verse 24. When I do let the Jehovah's Witnesses into my house, I always borrow their Bible Lay down the rules, say equal time. You take 10 minutes, give me 10 minutes, and we'll go back and forth. And I'll take their Bible and go to Isaiah chapter 42 to 45, and one of the verses I'll always read is Isaiah 44 verse 24, where he says, this is what the Lord says. And I'll point out to them the capitalization of L-O-R-D tells us that's a Hebrew word for Jehovah. This is what Jehovah says, your Redeemer, who formed you in the womb. I am the Lord who has made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself. But that's what it says about Jesus. Jehovah says, I'm the creator, and it was me alone. I'm the only God. That's what he says again and again and again there. I'm the only God. I will not give my glory to another. And then we have the declaration in that same Old Testament that his son is also the creator That's why Genesis, when it says God created, it says, let us make man in our image, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amazing stuff, amazing stuff. I got the right Jesus. Verse 13, Hebrews chapter 1, to which of the angels did God ever say? And this is his seventh quote of an Old Testament passage about Messiah. To which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Psalm 102, another Messianic reference. Sit at my right hand. The most exalted seat in all of creation, and Jesus is seated there. That's very interesting. Let me just jump ahead real quick. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties, Old Covenant. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. So he's always, always doing it, always doing it, always doing it. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Under the old covenant, the priest, they go into the temple, they do their thing, they go back out they come back in they do their thing and it was just over and over and over and over again you know what was not in that temple there was not a bar stool there was not a seat there was not a bench there's a message there because they could never complete the task they could never rest their work was never accomplished but when jesus the son of god came he offered himself he shed his blood He was buried. Three days later, he rose again. Then he ascended back to the Father, and the Father exalted him, and he said, Sit down. The work is accomplished. There's nothing more you can do. Nothing more. It's it's done. It's finished. (laughs) That's what he cried out on the cross before he gave up his last. It is finished. It's done. And he's atoned for my sin. He's forgiven me. I'm pure by the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. What a God. And now we're at verse 14. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Angels. Wow. Fascinating creatures. Majestic, powerful. And yet Jesus is greater. Because of who he is. And because of what he's accomplished. Hebrews chapter 2. Come on. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed by us, to us by those who heard him, God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Don't you miss the message. Jesus is the last word. He's the last word. And if you miss Jesus, you've missed. You missed. Listen, you understand what God has done for us? You understand all that we have in salvation? What are you doing with Jesus Christ? I got one more thing to read. Some of it the Lord gave me, some of it I stole from John MacArthur. He came from the bosom of the father to the bosom of a woman. He put on humanity that we might put on divinity. He became son of man that we might become sons of God. He was born contrary to the laws of nature, lived in poverty, was reared in obscurity. He had no wealth or influence, had neither training nor education in the world schools. His relatives were inconspicuous and un- influential. In infancy, he startled king. In boyhood, he puzzled the learned doctors. In manhood, he ruled the course of nature. He walked upon the billows and he hushed the seas asleep. He healed the multitudes without medicine and made no charge for his services. Praise the Lord. He never wrote a book, yet all the libraries of the world could not hold the books that could be written about him. He never wrote a song, yet he is furnished the theme for more songs than all songwriters together. He never founded a college, yet all the schools together cannot boast of as many students as he has. He is the star of astronomy, the rock of geology, the lion and the lamb of zoology, the harmonizer of all discords, the healer of all diseases. Herod, Herod could not kill him, Satan could not seduce him, Death could not destroy him, and the grave could not hold him. He's a risen Savior.
0: We're so blessed to be able to share the Word of God with you on each new edition of The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our valued listening audience. Pastor Danny will continue his study in the book of Hebrews next time, so we hope you'll join us again. We'd like to take a moment and ask you to consider partnering with us as we continue to share the hope of salvation with the world. Would you join us in praying for the listeners of The Living Word? Pray that God would touch each person with His love and open their hearts to the truth of His Word. Please pray for us also. We want to continue following God's plan for this program no matter where He asks us to go. We know the power of prayer, and we appreciate you doing this for us. Would you also ask the Lord about contributing financially to the Living Word? This program is professionally produced to provide the best quality messages possible, so as not to distract from the message of the Bible. That does incur some costs, however, so if you feel led to give, visit our website at ccfstpete.church and click on the online giving guide under forms. Any and all amounts are greatly appreciated and will be used to share the good news of Jesus' love for the world. Thank you for praying about this. That website once more is CCfstpet.church. With that, we've come to an end of our time with you today. We pray that God continues to bless you as you study His Word and open your heart to His unending love and grace. Thanks again for tuning in today to The Living Word.